0: The P.I.'s Declassified, an inside look at the world of private investigators. Your host is Francie Kaler, a noted private investigator. Francie and her guests take you behind the scenes and into the genuine, sometimes gritty business of investigation. You'll hear stories from the trenches with plenty of surprises. Here's your host, Francie Kaler. Good
1: morning, good morning. Another Thursday morning and we have an exciting we have an exciting show for you today. I have Bruce Jacobs. Bruce, would you like to say hello?
2: Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me.
1: Uh, Bruce is coming to us from Wisconsin, and uh, you'll, you'll be enjoying his little accent, his Wisconsin accent. I enjoy listening to it. Uh, he's <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, a former police officer from the Manitowoc Police Department, and he's a statement yep. analysis Uh, expert so we're going to talk about today we're going to talk about various statements that people have made and he's going to show you where they have problems with their statements maybe they leak deception maybe they're telling us something else when they're talking but he's going to show us that and we have some live audios for him to uh, demonstrate that with so uh, Bruce tell us just a little bit about yourself and how you got here to where you started.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's kind of an interesting story. Um, I retired from the Manitowoc Police Department, and if that rings a bell for anyone, uh, it was that our city and county was made famous by the uh, Netflix um, documentary. Uh, it's called "Making of a Murder," with uh, Lou oh, right. um, So I actually have I have a lot of stuff on him, but he is a uh, that that case had something to do with with how I got where I am. So I, I retired after thirty years at the police department. Uh, I was a dare officer for 25 years. I spent a long time as an SRO, uh, as a crime prevention sergeant. I, I did a lot of, uh, uh, presentations and trainings and, and in the early 2000s, I kind of stumbled into a, uh, a breakout session at a juvenile conference. And the breakout session was on, on micro expressions. And I had no idea what a micro expression was. And I walked in and I was amazed. I have to tell you, it changed my life. I was so amazed at what I could see, you know what people were telling me without saying anything uh, so I got a lot more training on it over the last twenty years and and I've sent myself to schools all over the all over the country taught by people from all over the world and uh, it's and you said before just the statement analysis well there's a lot more to it than just statement analysis, but that's the majority of what we're going to talk about today um so Probably, in a, well, I went to that school, I went to that class, that breakout session on micro expressions in the early 2000s. And in 2005, Stephen Avery, uh, that, that case happened. And uh, the best thing that people do is they talk to news cameras uh, because it's it's documented, it's good video. Uh, and reporters can ask anything they want. So they're asking him, well, Mr. Avery, the reporter's there, he hadn't been arrested yet. And they said, well, Mr. Avery was Teresa Halbach, and that's the woman that he killed. Her name is Teresa Halbach. Uh, was Teresa Halbach out here? And he goes, yeah, 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 she she was out here, which is not what he told police to begin with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he says, well, I don't know if I'm a suspect, and he laughs. So to me, that had a lot of meaning because I had have gone to a homicide investigation, a school where a, a, a seven-year-old girl was kidnapped out of her house and was killed, and they the news cameras actually talked to the murderer uh, the, day bef- uh, the day after, uh, they said, do you know the little girl? And he goes, yeah, she lives right there. I don't know if I'm a suspect. And he laughs. So that really piqued huh. my interest when Stephen Avery laughed. Interesting. But
1: then the reporter but, said... Excuse me, Bruce. Are you there? Wasn't, wasn't Stephen, yep. Stephen Avery exonerated? Didn't something happen um, with oh, his the case? The first where... homicide
2: he was, yes.
1: Okay. So that's All what
2: right. made it so interesting. He had been he convicted of a, not a homicide, he had been convicted of a, uh, not a, homicide. He had convicted of a very brutal rape. Uh, which he was freed from after 17 years because of DNA. And then I think two or three years later is when he killed Teresa Hallbach. So back to the interview, uh, and then the reporter says to him, well, Mr. Avery, there's crime scene tape around the fire pit. Well, his eye twitched three times, and he said, I don't know why that would be. I haven't had a fire for months. Well, I looked at my wife then, and I said, that guy is guilty and it's got something to do with the fire pit. And I knew that because of his microexpressions. It's a limbic brain uh, reaction. It's a, kind of the fight or flight. So that just really intrigued me. So that's kind of really uh, made me go forward with a lot of this training that I do.
1: Very interesting. So have you ever studied with Dr. Paul Ekman from California?
2: Well, I've never met him. He's on my list of people to meet. I believe he's about 87 years old now. He lives in San Francisco. Um, he's actually one of the first people that I'm going to thank because uh, I didn't do any of the scientific research. I mean, I have 30 years of law enforcement and, you know, tens of thousands of interviews, but I didn't do any of the scientific research. And, and he, Dr. Paul Ekman, is the, like, right. the pioneer of emotional research. Exactly, um, exactly. So I have a lot of respect for him. I've read a lot of his books, and, and I would really like to meet him.
1: <laughs> well, he's been on the show. We have him on, oh, the, has he? Okay. Him on a prior show. Yeah, and uh, he does live, uh, he actually lives in in Berkeley, I believe. Um, oh, yeah, okay. But, uh, yeah, he's uh, a fabulous, uh, incredible researcher. And he's done yeah. all of the primary research on what you're talking about. So go yeah, ahead with he your, actually moved what you're to,
2: telling us. Okay, well, he actually moved to the jungles in New Guinea and studied facial expressions. And he chose that, that location because those people that are in those tribes have never... Seen a, uh, a magazine article or a TV ad that would influence the way they were, you know, the, the, the way their facial expressions were, and he was able to scientifically prove that there are seven universal facial expressions that we as humans have. No matter if you live in the jungle of the Guinea, of the United States, or China, they're all the same. They're seven universal. Um, I've also studied under a, a guy from Great Britain in the EIA. Uh, Emotional Intelligence Academy, uh, Stephen A. Rhodes, uh, a bit of more superior. Uh, He's about 75 years old. He lives in Israel. He travels the world, and he is the founder of the scientific content analysis. It's the scientific meaning of words independent Mm -hmm. of the case facts. Um, So Joe Navarro, uh, Janine Driver, uh, Mark McClish, there's just a lot of people that I've studied under or studied their material uh, that I just want people to know that, you know, I, I'm i not doing the scientific research. I've just,
1: I've learned from it. Um, no problem. We're going to learn from you. There you go. Yes. Well, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Well, that's fascinating. Your travel, your journey is fascinating, Bruce. So um, take us through some of the statement analysis.
2: Okay. Well, let's see. So my daughter, has uh, two daughters, they've, they've put up with me, you know, for the, for the last 20 some years uh, going over this stuff and catching them and saying things that, you know, I, I, I truly know what you're thinking, even though that you're not saying that. So the other day, my, uh, my daughter texts me, she's all excited. She goes, dad, I'm so excited. Uh, her boyfriend and her, were watching a, uh, a show on TV and, and the, the host thought the guy was lying and she goes, I, I made him rewind it. I knew he was lying because of this. So the statement goes, uh, and I'm not going to be exact on this, the guy's talking about Bibles burning in his house. So he says, we were sleeping on a Sunday night in the house, and the fire alarms went off in the house. And I walked over and I looked out that window, and I run out that door, and at my feet, he's seeing fire burning. So what he did was, he repeated it. So he said, I was sleeping in a Sunday night on a Sunday night and the fire alarm was one sleeping in the house on a Sunday night and the fire alarm was one on in the house. So he repeated it. It's also something called the rule of three. So we finished the statement with three words that were unnecessary. He said mm. in the house, but then he went from, I looked out that window, which is past tense. So we tell the truth in past tense and we lie in present tense. So he said, I walked over there and looked out that window all past tense. Then he said, I run out that door, and you're seeing fire burning. It's present tense. I run. He didn't say, I ran out the door. I run out the door. I didn't, I didn't see the fire. I'm seeing fire burning. So it's present tense. So she was all proud of herself that she had got that.
1: Well, that's a, that's a really interesting, I've never heard that before, and thank you for that. And do you have any idea why that is?
2: Yes, because when we, when we tell the truth, we're pulling from memory, when we, and, and that's past tense because it happened. It happened in the past, but when we are uh, fabricating something, we're
0: making it up. It never happened,
2: so mm-hmm. it's present tense in our mind, and then if you go back to the truth or something from memory, it's going to be in past tense again. People do it all the time. I just sit there and smile at them, shake my head. Hmm. You know, because you know that that part of the story is not true.
1: Okay. Because they're fabricating
2: that's, it. They're making it up. That's,
1: uh, that's, a, huge, uh, that's a huge statement. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Okay. I want to learn
2: more. Okay. So let's just talk about, I mean, I, I, I do up the five-day trainings. Um, my website is www.leakingthetruth.com. And there's so much more. We're just going to kind of give you some hints uh, on today's show so let's talk about some basic hints of statement analysis and this is where i'm going to play some of these sound bites um i have to tell you it's my voice not the sound bites okay but these are statements that that were made uh when people are are telling us things and the first one we're going to look at is called a lack of conviction and what that means is that uh we're not looking we're not locking into the facts you're going to hear a lot of, I'm not sure, maybe, I think so. So they're not really committed to something. Like if I asked you, Fancy, what happened yesterday? You were going to tell me what happened yesterday. You're not going to say, well, maybe, I'm not sure, I don't know. Those are things called a lack of conviction, which is a sign of deception. So play that first clip, the lack of conviction clip.
0: I think I came home around 6 p.m., maybe around 7 o'clock took a shower, and watched some TV. I'm not sure what was on. Later, took a walk, not sure what time, and I don't remember how long I walked. I may have walked past the gas station. I'm not sure, though. I just don't remember. Okay. So, obviously, that was my voice. So, here are the
2: things that were used. I think around, maybe around, I'm not sure, not sure, I don't remember, May have, I'm not sure, okay? So there's a lot of lack of conviction there. I also changed my language. There are no synonyms in statement analysis. So if you call something cash, and then the next sentence you say money, it's a sign of deception. There are rules for when you can change your language, but it it has to, something drastic has to happen in the statement for you to change that language. Um, And I have some examples of that too. I changed my language. At the beginning, I said, I got home around 6 o'clock. I'm sorry, I said, around 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. And my next sentence is, maybe around 7 o'clock. So I changed my 6 p.m. to 7 o'clock, which, which uh, is a sign of deception. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm missing a pronoun. Pronouns are very important. Okay? Um, let's see. Later, took a walk. I should have said, later, I took a walk. So I'm missing mm-hmm. a pronoun, shows a, a, a lack of um, connection to it, okay? Uh, if, if the I is missing, they weren't there. That's a good way to remember it. Interesting. If someone's missing that I pronoun, they weren't there. Then I say later. The word later is what's called a connection. Shows a missing link of time, okay? Um, and I'll explain that when we, when we get up to uh, that, that clip, so there's a lot okay. of stuff going on there, but the main thing is the lack of conviction. They're not locking themselves into anything.
1: Well, I guess what you're saying is if you, you, you actually went for a walk and you walked by these places, you would know that you walked by them.
2: That's exactly right. Yep, and you wouldn't, you wouldn't be putting, I don't know, maybe about, you wouldn't be using that terminology. Mm-hmm. It's showing a lack of conviction. It's a, it's a clue of deception. Okay. All right. So the next basic one is called extraneous information. And basically what that is is any information that has nothing to do with the question that you ask them. People who are out there, uh, I'm also a licensed PI, but licensed PIs and uh, uh, retired police officers and anybody that's doing interviews, how many times have you heard people tell you all this great detail about things you don't want to know about? Mm-hmm. It's all extraneous information. So if we could play that clip.
0: Did I take the money? Did you take? I went to work that morning and the traffic was terrible. Accidents and traffic jams. I really had to be careful about getting there. Once at work, no one made coffee, so I had to do it. I need my morning coffee, you know. What was I going to do without coffee? Then my boss comes in and wants all the documents on the Harris case, which took me all morning to get. I forgot my lunch, so I had to run out and get fast food. Not good. The hot sauce on the tacos gave me heartburn. I worked all afternoon on getting those documents. Later, I heard about the missing money. So, nope, did not take it.
2: Hmm. Okay, so the question was, did you take the
1: money?
2: The right. The first thing
1: that this person, pardon me? I, I'm laughing. The question wasn't, what did you have for lunch?
2: <laughs> no, no, you're exactly right. Did you take the money? So um, he starts off by asking the question. Did, you, did I take the money? Okay, so when somebody does that, I always think of the, uh, the Miss America pageant. They ask of the question, and the lady always repeats it. And why does she repeat it? It gives her time to think about what was said, what question, sure. which is fine in a pageant. You know, if you are being questioned about taking money, why do you need to tell all this stuff? You just say no. So the big thing is, let your yeses be yes and your noes be no. If you ask a yes or no question and the person doesn't answer it with a yes or no, it's a red flag. It's a clue. Okay? Not necessarily deception, but there's something going on that you need to look closely at. So the person starts off by saying, can I take the money? Okay? So repeats the question. All this extraneous information about getting to work, coffee, documents, lunch, heartburn, okay, it means nothing. And then he mm-hmm. says later. He says later. How much, how much time is later? So there's three, there's three parts to a statement, three types of information in a statement or a verbal statement. One is the important stuff. The person giving the statement has labeled it important because they put it in the statement. Second is the stuff that's not important, so they don't put it in. And the last stuff is the stuff that's so important that they don't put it in. They don't want you to know about it. So how do you figure out where that missing time is? Those are those connections that we're gonna talk about coming up. Okay, it shows a missing link of time. So the word later, how much time is later? Okay. okay. Then he says, um, then, he, then he has a change of pace. If you, if, you re, if you listen to voice inflections, they're very important. So as he says it, he changes uh, those, he says those documents. Later, I heard about the missing money. Almost like he asked a question. Okay. Mm. So voice inflection. Then he says, "So, nope, I did not take it." Well, if that's all you have, you can disregard it because one little clue, you know, does not make a person uh, uh, guilty. But right. In statement analysis, we look for clusters, and there's a ton of clusters in here. So first of all, he says, "Nope." So so, nope, did not take it. He's missing the pronoun. I did Mm -hmm. not take it. He doesn't say that. We'd expect him to say that, but he didn't. Did not take it. He also uses did not. So studies show that people who are being deceptive will not use contractions. Mm -hmm. So he says did not instead of no, I didn't take it. Now, again, if that's all you have is that non-contractual lie of saying did not versus didn't, disregard it because it means nothing. But it's right. the totality of the circumstances It's all the clues. So okay. pronouns are very important. We're going to get to those.
1: I really get the any pronouns. That, that makes a lot of sense.
2: hmm So let's go to the next one. We're going to talk about verbs and we're going to talk about tense. The tense. Remember, we tell the truth in past tense and we lie in present tense. So let's play the one on verbs.
0: As I was walking across the street... I heard a noise behind me. I turn around and I see a bear. So I run down to the gas station. I told the guy at the gas station and then he called you. Did you catch it?
1: I didn't. Okay, I was so listening here are the carefully. I didn't catch it though.
2: Here the, and It's just like anything else. It's practice, practice, practice. So here are the verbs that were used. Walked. Heard. turn
1: See, run, told, called. Because it's all present tense. Is Is that what you're saying? Because it's all present?
2: Heard is past tense.
1: Okay, okay. Turn
2: is present tense. Not I turned, I turned. Mm. I see, not I saw. I run, Mm. not ran. Those three are present tense. And then I told, which is past tense. And I called, which is past tense. So, he's got three past tense, two past tense, three present, and, and then uh, he finishes with two past. Mm-hmm. So, like in the middle, it's right. yeah. yeah. not pulling from memory. He's fabricating it. He's making it up. Okay. Sure. So, remember, we tell the truth in past tense, and we lie in present tense. So, as I was walking across the street, I heard a noise behind me. That part mm-hmm. we believe is true, because it's all past tense. Then I turn around, present tense, and see, present tense, a bear. So I run, present tense, down to the gas station. Then I told the guy at the gas station, and he called you. That's past tense. So he was taking a walk, and he ran to the gas station. Or I mean, he, he told the guy at the gas station, but everything that happened in between probably didn't happen.
1: And and you know what, Bruce, as you as you listen to that, and as I did, it sounds perfectly like a normal statement. Mm-hmm. If you're not, if where, you're not specifically looking for those clues.
2: Right, right. Because you don't know about them. It's yeah. right there. You know, I mean, you just have to really concentrate. When you get really good, you concentrate on what they're saying, you concentrate on the voice inflections. Because I can say the same six words in the same order and mean six different things. Should mm. we try? Okay. So the words are. I didn't say you did it. I'm going to say those six words. Okay? Here's the first one. I didn't say you did it, which means I didn't say it, but maybe the other guy did. Mm -hmm. I didn't say you did it, which means I absolutely did not say it. I didn't say you did it. Okay, maybe Mm -hmm. I pointed at you. Maybe I wrote it down. I didn't say you did it. They said somebody else, did you see where we're going with this? So voice inflection is very important. When somebody asks, answers a question and uses a question mark in their voice inflections, that should tell you something. That's a clue. He's not sure about what he's saying. I should probably dig into that a little bit. Okay. I've got a really good clip of, uh, of Prince Andrew coming up where he answers a question with a question mark with his voice inflection.
1: All right. Are we going to play that one now?
2: Uh, nope, we're gonna keep going right down the line. Let's finish those, those basic, uh, uh, hints about clues about, uh, statement analysis. So the next one, let's, let's, because people say things in order of importance. So usually when somebody makes out a statement, usually the first line is, is really what you have to look at for importance. Because they're gonna start off with what's most important to them. So we, when we tell a story, when we talk, we put the most important things first. So let's play the next one about order of, an, of, of appearance.
0: Okay. I went on vacation with my daughter Susie, my son Brent, and my wife. Okay. So what does that tell us? What's the difference between my wife and
2: the wife? Okay. You don't have a pronoun in front of wife with the wife. So people tell you how their feelings are. Um. My wife, the wife, mother of my children. Right? They're telling mm-hmm. you how they feel about their spouse. So in this statement, I went on vacation with my daughter Susie, my son Brent, and my wife. Hmm. What's the most important thing to this man? The most the important kids. thing is his daughter Susie.
1: Yeah, yep.
2: Okay? Because she's first. And then my son Brent but he's labeled them and then he says, and my wife, what's his wife's name? We don't know because she's not important enough to get to get an introduction. That's called an inappropriate social introduction. So it tells us how he feels about his wife. Not only is she last, but he doesn't even say my wife, Susie or my wife. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's his daughter's name. You know, my wife, Jane, he doesn't say that. He just says, and my wife. So I'm, I'm going to be paranoid about
1: the way I talk, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, people ask me that all the time. You know, and for the most part, I can turn it on. But sometimes it's so glaring. You know, and some of these, uh, the, the, the body gestures and the micro-expressions that people have, I, I just, I just you know, I just smile at them and shake my head. Yes, I know, you know, that they're not, they're not telling me the truth. So as long huh. as we're on that topic, what's the what's, uh, landmark case? What landmark case is behavioral analysis based on? I don't know. There's a case study that every police officer, every police officer knows. It's the Terry versus Ohio stop and frisk. That case from 1963 is based solely on behavioral analysis, where a detective was, was watching these guys case a, uh, a, a store. And he went up to him and patted him down, and they had a gun on him. So uh, he, he arrested him, and it went to court. So every police officer that's listening to this, every, every uh, private investigator that okay. used to be a police officer, knows exactly what I'm talking about. Every police officer in the United States is trained on the stop and frisk, which is Terry versus Ohio, which is based on behavioral analysis. So I did not know that. So it's big stuff. You know, and it... Okay, so our next one here, let's talk about pronouns. Because pronouns are very, very important. So can we play the clip on pronouns?
0: What happened today? Well, nope. yep. got up, showered, got dressed, ate, and then drove to work. When I got to work, I we met in the break room for some coffee. Later, I went to my desk and noticed that the money was missing from the desk. Okay, there's all kinds of things going on here.
1: Yeah, okay. First
0: I, all, yes. Okay, so
2: first of all, we tell our story with all our knowledge. Okay, with all we can't. So let's just say, for instance, Francie, I went. I went hiking this morning, and I wasn't by myself. But I don't want you to know that. And you asked me what I did this morning. Mm -hmm. Well, I can't unknow that I was hiking with someone. So every time I'm saying something, the word "we" is going to want to come out, right? But I can't say "we." I have to say "I." So people are going to mess up. You might ask me what happened. I could say, well, I went hiking and uh, I walked down to the water and we, I uh, jumped in actually because it was very, it was very refreshing that I'm going to change my pronouns. I'm going to have an I, we, or a we, I uh-huh. all the time and people aren't listening for it. So you can expect people to make mistakes when they're talking. It's okay if they misspeak depending on the context of it, but never accept a mistake with pronouns. It is a sign of deception. So in the, in the statement here, first of all, he's missing several eyes. He starts mm-hmm. off by saying, got up, showered, got dressed, ate, and then drove to work. Okay? There's not an I in there. If there's no I, they're not there. Then he starts, says, when I got to work, I we, so he didn't want it to be him, it's just him. He wanted it to be we, he's distancing himself from the individualness of this crime. So he says, I, we met in the break room for coffee later. There's my connection later. How much time is later? You know, what, what happened in there? That's what you got to, So tell me about right after you got coffee, what did you do? Mm-hmm. And he says mm-hmm. later I went to my desk and noticed that the money was missing from the desk. So he had to change the pronouns. He has the connection. And then did you hear the last thing I went to my desk and noticed the money was missing from the desk, Mm -mm. my desk, the desk. So it's my desk when I go to it, but when the money's missing, it's the desk, Mm -hmm. huge sign of deception. They're changing their pronouns, missing pronoun. And he's showing, uh, distancing himself from the desk at that point. Definitely a sign of deception, something you got to read into.
1: Very interesting. So pronouns
2: are very, very important.
1: You know when it the when I do interviews, Bruce, and I'm for uh, you know forensic interviews, when somebody says to me, and then and the next thing that happened was that mm-hmm. to me is like the bridge phrase of letter later. Yeah. If, if they're leaving something yeah. out in yeah. in the middle, that you have yeah. to go back to. So
2: that's yeah. That's when you say okay. So wait a minute. Right when you left there and you said the next thing that happened is this, what happened right after you left there? You know, what happened? What, What, if they say at that point, then that's not a connection because they're talking about a single second in time. So at that point, or at this time, or at that time, it's not a connection. It doesn't show a missing at the time. The next thing that happened, that's what they want to tell us, but what happened? What was Mm -hmm. really the next thing that happened? Right. How much time passed in there? Okay. So the next clue let's talk about, do you have any questions about the pronouns?
1: No, but it's fascinating, though. Just fascinating. i are going to have to pay more attention.
2: (laughs) Well, that's why a written statement is easier, because you can read it over and read it over and read it over. So somebody sends me a statement. Um, I probably read it 50 to 100 times. And then I start marking pronouns and I start looking for the next thing we're going to talk about is change of language. And there's a whole process. And again, it's a scientific analysis. It's the, what the, what the words scientifically mean independent of the case facts. So I was doing a a training and one of the officers kept asking me these questions. Well, what if the person, so the statement was actually from Sapir. It said, I have a girlfriend who is Jewish. So we are breaking down that statement. And he kept saying, well, what if the person was a Holocaust survivor? <laughs> I go, it doesn't matter. It's independent of the case facts. Or if the person you know, was, was uh, a Jewish himself, it doesn't matter. It's independent of the case facts. Right. And so when somebody sends me a statement, I tell them, don't, don't, uh, uh, don't tell me what you think about this statement. I don't want to know if you think the guy is guilty or not, because right. I don't want to be tainted. It's called, a, it's called lie bias. Right. So let's go to the next one. Uh, Changes in language. Remember, there's no synonyms in statement analysis, so if we could play the next one. Changes in language.
0: He told me to go get the kids from school. I picked up our kids, and we were driving back home when he called and asked me to stop at the grocery store and get milk. When we got home, my children run to play by a friend's house, and Bob asked me to go back to the Piggly Wiggly, and that's all I can tell you. Okay. Did you notice anything, Fancy?
1: You're going to have to tell me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, how
1: about the voice inflection
2: at the end? The you voice, voice definitely the
1: voice inflection, yes.
2: Okay, voice inflections are very important. So, remember, there's no synonym of statement analysis. So, there is a rule that you can change your language, but it has to be something drastic that happens. So, I bring this up. Uh, there was an interview with Michael Strahan, and he was interviewing... Uh, Jacob Blake, who was a black man that was shot in a city close to, uh, where I am in, in Wisconsin. Okay. Straight hands talking to him and he says, so, uh, Jacob Blake is fighting with the police. And he says, well, what were you thinking? And he looked up and he said, my kids, my kids were right there. This thing progresses. He's not listening to the police. He's fighting. He's got a knife in his hand. He walks around. They're following him. They try to grab him and then they shoot him because he's not, he's resisting. He's trying to get in the car. He's got a knife in his hand. What were you thinking? He goes, my babies, my babies. That's a change of language, but that is justified. So it's not a sign of deception. That's what he was feeling then because it had escalated from fighting to shooting. So when something like that happens, there's a change of language is is correct. Okay. Okay. So these were, this is what she said. I said it, but this is a female. He told, he asked, Bob asked. So three different ways he told told is hard. Told is more uh-huh. bossy, right? He asked, which is nicer, softer, and then Bob asked. She uses his name. So what's happening that she's he's, she's you know, feels that he's telling her, now he's asking her, now Bob asked. Okay, so it's it's name and it's softer. Also she changes her language to from uh, the kids, our kids. My children. So there's all kinds of changes of language in here. She also said, and I thought you were gonna catch this one, Francie. We are driving. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh she she heard it. <laughs> we are driving. Present tense. Right? She's not pulling that from memory. Something's going on there. And she also says grocery store in Tigouigli. So she changes the name. Okay? And then at the end, huge sign deception. And that's all I can tell you. And she lowers her voice, or I lowered my voice. Okay, it's the voice inflection, which you heard at the end. Mm-hmm. When someone tells you, that's about it, that's all I can tell you, that's it in, in a nutshell, it just ended, they ran off. A lot of those things are three words. And I've mentioned before that there's something called the rule of three. So someone will end a sentence with unnecessary language, and it's usually three words.
1: So, so plain devil's advocate, Bruce. People do talk this way. I mean, just in everyday their everyday dealings. So, um, so what you're saying is, with when they're under stress or there's something going on with them, they're going to employ some of these uh, waves of speaking. But they may be they may talk that way all the time. So, how does that work?
2: Okay. So I know when I read some of these things, people are like, Bruce, that is just, that's, that's BS because people don't think about the structure of their sentences before they say them. And you're right. They don't think about the structure of their sentence. It's in our DNA. It just, if there's deception, it's in our DNA to, to distance ourselves in, in that statement. So people don't talk like this, Francie. They don't change their, they don't change their tense in the middle of their sentence. Now, what they might do is they might go third person. Bruce was driving home. You're asking me what happened. And I might say, Bruce was driving home and, and Bruce came up to a traffic stop. Okay, so I'm using third person. It's this present tense. But if all my conversation is like that, then you're right. It's not deception. That's my, that's my baseline. And it is about baseline. But people don't change their tense in the middle of their sentence and they don't leave out pronouns. Well, they don't change pronouns unless they're being deceptive, unless there's a cognitive load going on.
1: Now I'm going to go around and listen to everybody talk. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. Just, yeah, you know, start off, start off slow. You know, okay. listen for certain things. Listen for the voice inflections. And, okay. and if you ask somebody a yes or no question, and if they don't answer you yes or no, ask yourself why. What What's going on? Did they say anything? You know, did they tell me all these details, that extraneous information? they tell me all these details about something that I don't need to know about? You know?
1: Well, frankly, you hear this on political talk shows all the time. The person that's asked the question never answers the question. (laughs) Right.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, politicians are very good at it. Yeah, you're right. (laughs)
1: Okay. All right. This is great. Should we do the next one? Sure.
2: It's uh, editing phrases or the connections.
0: I got up and took a shower. Later, I ate breakfast and walked a dog. Sometime after that, I'm driving to work and I see the accident. All right, Francie, what'd you hear? It's
1: changing tenses. He sees, he sees the accident. Well, wait a minute. Okay. He drives yep. to work. That was
2: good. Yep, work and I see the accident, not I saw the accident. That was excellent. Yep. You're starting to learn. Okay.
1: Okay, so, good.
2: He says, I got up and took a shower. Later, there's my later. Sometime after that, there's another connection. But he says later. So, right there, I want to stop. I want to go back. What happened when you left, when you got out of the shower? What did you do when you got out of the shower? Because he's telling you that he's leaving information out that he doesn't want you to know. What happened after the shower and before you ate breakfast? Okay, so then he goes, later, I ate breakfast and walked the dog. So, I got up and I took a shower. How long does that take? Ten minutes? Later, I ate breakfast and walked the dog. Well, you're talking about a, a much more lengthy part of time to go take mm-hmm. the dog for a walk. So, that's a connection in there. Okay. okay. Um, and then sometime after, you go, sometime after that, I'm driving to work and I see the accident. So, you're right. You've got the present tense. Good job. And also, driving. I'm driving mm-hmm. to work and I see the accident. So you got one of the present tense. Mm-hmm. Okay, so connections are important because they show a missing link of time and they show something that they don't want you to know.
1: Okay, oh. okay. So,
2: I'm learning. Um, okay, next one we're going to talk about is the change of pace or the shape of the story. So let's go, let's think about the first one about the extraneous information. About 80% of that paragraph about driving to work and the traffic and the accidents and the coffee and all this other stuff, okay, 80% of that had nothing to do with what I asked. That's the shape of the story. So if I ask you, Francie, what happened yesterday, and you know, maybe there was an incident that you know I'm talking about, you're going to spend, you should spend about 25% of the story setting it up. You're gonna spend about fifty percent of the story telling me about the meat of the story, what happened, and I wanna hear contextual embedding. I wanna know what it smelt like, what it tastes like, how cold it was, how hot it was, how you felt, how loud the person was yelling. That's called contextual embedding. It shows that they were actually there. Okay, and it will be in past tense if it's true. And then about twenty five percent of the story afterwards. So you should have fifty, I'm sorry, twenty five before, fifty and twenty five after. The meat of the story, think about back about the extraneous information, 80% of that story was before. And at the end, so, nope, I didn't take it, right? Like five mm-hmm. words in the closing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, way off balance. So, can we play the clip on time changes at, uh, shape of the story?
0: I left work and went to the mall from 3 p.m. to about 4 p.m., I drove to the gas station to get gas and beer and arrived at Pat's house just before the game started at six o'clock. At about 9.30, we went to the McDonald's and I was home about 1 a.m.
1: Okay, mm-hmm. what'd you hear? He ended it with a question.
2: Right, he ended up with a question, Mark. That was good. But think about his times that he said. So he said, I left work. And the word left has a scientific meaning to it. It means pressured for time. Okay. So I left work and I went to the mall from about, from 3 p.m. to about 4. So he's narrowed down an hour of time in mm-hmm. that one sentence. It's mm-hmm. called lines per minute, lines per hour. He's got an hour per line. Okay. Then his next line is, I drove to the gas station to get gas and beer. And I arrived at Pat's house just before the game started at six o'clock. That's two lines, two hours. So his first three lines cover three hours. Then the next one, at about 9.30, we went to McDonald's, and I was home about 1 a.m. So now he's going from 6 o'clock at night to 1 Mm a.m. in less than a line. Less than a line. So there's a lot of deception there, and he's changing the pace of the story and the shape of the story. Okay? Plus his voice changed. And he also said, p.m., and then later says, o'clock. So you've got to listen for that.
1: Yeah, so, I, w- I was tuning in to what was he doing between 9 and uh, 1 a.m. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, that's, and that's
2: good because that, as, a, as a PI, you're going to go back and you're going to ask him those questions yeah. because he just has way too big of a gap. So basically there's four most important parts of statement analysis. The four most important parts, pronouns. There's 20 pronouns in, in, the, English, in the English language. So pronouns are hugely important. Number two, connections, which show that missing link of time. Number three, the change of language or the change of tense. Okay? Money, cash, cleanbacks. Okay? Or I looked out the window, I ran out, I run out the door. Okay? So it's the changing of the language and the tense. And lastly, is you have to be objective, not subjective. Okay, you have to be objective. So you can't go in there looking for a lie. You have to be objective. Right. Say, don't don't be lie biased. Don't say I know this guy's wrong. I'm going to catch him. And you let the words speak for themselves. Those are the mm-hmm. important
1: things. Okay. Now, um, so a, Bruce, to go, go back ahead. a little bit, you talked about um, the seven universal expressions. Can you detail what yeah. those are?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So these are uh, from Paul Ekman, and uh, they are – so. and they have to be synchronized to the stimulus. So if I tell you a joke and two minutes later you kind of laugh, it's not part of what the joke is. You know what I mean? Okay. So it's right. got to be uh, connected to the stimulus. So And it has to be synchronized with the stimulus and symmetrical. So you have to be smiling with your whole face. Happy is the first one. I want to see your eyes squinting, your forehead crinkling up, your cheeks tightening up, you know, your, your lips coming up. That's a true smile. My kids always say, Dad, you got a fake smile. Like, well, because most of the time I do. I smile for the picture. And I smile with my mouth, and I don't smile with my eyes. And I always, right. you know, talk about the smiling eyes. So it's happy. It's sad. It's fear and surprise. So fear and surprise sometimes get mixed up, and that's okay. As long as you see something, then you have disgust and anger. Sometimes disgust and anger get mixed up, and that's okay. So anger, we can picture a lot of different anger faces, angry faces. But disgust is the face you make when you hear a bad joke or you smell poop. You uh-huh. kind of pull the corners of your nose up, okay, right. and then your eyebrows. But it has to be symmetrical. The only single-sided, non-symmetrical facial expression that we make as humans that's not on purpose is the contempt smile. It's a single-sided smile. Some people call it a smirk. Mm-hmm. One of my top ones that I look for. It means social superiority. You're proud of, 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 of whatever's going on. Okay? So, you never, ever want to hear, or you never want to see a contempt smile on someone's face. You ask them if they did something or not, and they deny it. What Mm -hmm. you do want to see is if I was sitting there looking at you and I would say, Francie, this is a great radio show. You may have a contempt smile and say, thanks. We've worked very hard at it. And it's okay to have a contempt smile then because you're proud of it. If I say, did you steal the money? And you look at me and you get a contempt smile and you say, no, that's a huge clue that you stole the money because you're proud of it. And you're smarter than me. And I'm not going to figure it out. And people and do you it think all the time. And they have it. no idea they're doing it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So mm. contempt smile is the only single sided, non symmetrical facial expression.
1: Hmm. Okay. So happy, sad, <laughs> fear, surprise, disgust, anger, and contempt. Yes. Okay.
2: Yeah. So I have a statement. Um, it's a about. It's a child abuse statement, actually. Would you, you want to jump to that one, or do you have any other questions?
1: Yeah, and, and you know, we have uh, just a few minutes left, so uh, I know you have some really important ones to play as well.
2: Okay, so let's do this one really quick, because this is a very interesting one. If you could play the child abuse one.
3: I got up at 6.55 a.m. After I got up, I took a shower and went by my kids, Sam and Sue, and got them up. Then I went into Lisa's room to get her up. She was wearing Care Bear pajamas... You know, the ones with the feet sewn in with the rubber on the bottom? I had to wake her up because she was still sleeping. After I woke her up, I went with her into the bathroom and brushed her hair as she had slept on it and it was a mess. She said she had to go to the bathroom, so it took a little longer. Walked out of the bathroom and started downstairs and she wanted to slide on her butt down the stairs as all the kids think it's fun. Once we were in the kitchen, I made eggs and toast with chocolate chip pancakes. It's her favorite. She likes it when I make a smiley face with the chips. Later then, headed off to do the shopping with all the kids. Went to Walmart and shopped. Stopped at Kohl's because I needed scented soap for the kids' bubble baths. They just love when they are all in there together with the bubbles. Stopped for gas and bought a juice for everyone before heading home. I did yell at her at the gas station because she ran around the Suburban and opened the door herself. She crawled in and buckled herself in before I could get around. Once home, she again got herself out of the car seat before I got around to help her. Everyone was running around, and when we went in, Sam and Sue ran upstairs. Um, so Lisa then wants to play horsey, so I put her on my lap and I'm bouncing her. She yells faster, faster, faster and all of a sudden she falls off and hits her head hard and is not moving. She's not waking up, so I began pouring water on her face, but it did not wake her up. So I called you guys.
1: Okay. Oh my gosh, there's a lot in there. <laughs> a little bit longer.
2: Yes, yes. So we're gonna skip over it really quick, because I could spend I could spend two hours just on this statement. Well let's okay. start on the first paragraph. I got up at 6.55 a.m. After I got up, so she repeated her, her statement. That's a huge sign of deception. It's called unnecessary language. I got up at 6.55 a.m. After I got up, so she said she took a shower. Then she goes, I went by my kids, Sam and Sue, and got them up. She just told me how she feels about her kids. She named them as she labeled them. It's called a proper social introduction. And then she names them. And then she goes, I went into Lisa's room to get her up. Who's Lisa? We don't know because mm-hmm. she didn't have a good relationship with Lisa because she didn't give her a proper social introduction. Mm-hmm. Um, just like before, with, I went camping with my daughter Susie, my son Brent, and my wife. In- inappropriate social introduction. Then she starts off by saying, um, you know, it's just extraneous information about the Care Bear pajamas and her hair standing up and blah, blah, blah. She walked out of the bathroom. There's a lot of other clues in there, which we won't get to today, but let's just get down to the last paragraph, okay? Once, uh, once home, she again got herself out of the car seat and, and got around uh, before I got around to help her. Everyone was running around, and when we went in, Sam and Sue ran upstairs, Then her pace changes, her flow changes, her voice changes. She slows down, uh, so Lisa then wants to play horsey.
3: With a question mark, she said it. So, in the words because,
2: since, and so are very important in statement analysis. So, I put her on my lap and I'm bouncing her. Present tense. She yells, present tense, faster, faster, faster. Here's my rule of three. Because she's repeating it three times. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, how long is all of a sudden? You know, that's my connection. So all of a sudden, she falls off and hits her head hard and is not moving. She's not waking up, so I began pouring water, present tense, on her face. But it did not work. I did not wake her up. So I called you guys. So basically, 78% of that story was before the incident. 20% the meat of the story and a 2% closing. So scientifically, it's a deceptive structure.
1: That's fascinating, Bruce. You know we only have three minutes left. Um, okay. I know you wanted to get to some other um, some other recordings, and I'm wondering if you we want to make a second segment for this show because I think you're offering sure. a, so much information that is difficult to cover in one hour. Uh, oh, yeah. so if you're yeah. up to that, let's uh, let's schedule another show. I'm not sure what the time okay. frame is, but I'm I know that people would be really interested in in hearing the rest of what you have to say. Would that be would okay. that work for great. you a part 2? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. okay. Let's do that because um, <laughs> we do need to go, and there's other people that have shows after us that are waiting for their space. But I, you know, this okay. has been fascinating. I really appreciate it. For those of you that um, are interested in contacting Bruce, it's Bruce Jacobs, www.leakingthetruth. And I will yes. get back to you uh, to schedule something else as part two. Okay.
2: Perfect. I really appreciate uh, being on here, and hopefully I can help a lot of people truly understand what people are thinking and feeling uh, as they're talking to them.
1: It's, yeah, this is really good, meaty information. that's very practical. So uh, thank you so much for being on the show, Bruce. I appreciate it. And for the rest of you folks, this is going to give you a lot to think about. It's PIs Declassified. I'm Francie Kaler. Thanks so much for listening.